0: everybody, and welcome to The Gridiron, where we talk all things college football and NFL. My name is Brayden Dorman, alongside me, Bryce Peterson, and today it'll just be a little bit of NFL, as college football is over with and the NFL playoffs are moving into the conference championships, so we have an exciting weekend ahead. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen?
1: Thank you guys for tuning in. As Braden said, it'll be a little bit more NFL-heavy for the next couple weeks. We'll talk about some NCAA recruiting, head coach movements, stuff like that. But we're going to wait until we can get through the NFL season, finish all that content before we start all our off-season content once we get to a few breaks. There's a possibility of some of that next week as well as after the Super Bowl. Be on the lookout for that type of stuff, but we will continue covering NFL primarily until the NFL season is over with today. uh, We'll cover a recap of all the divisional games this weekend, new coaches, predictions, for that type of stuff. Uh, we'll tell you about all the new head coach hires for all of the teams. There were a few teams this year that hired and fired their coaches. And then we'll talk about the veteran quarterbacks, such as Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. will talk about them and if we think they're going to retire, cover their careers a little bit. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson and the drama surrounding the Houston Texans. And Then we'll look ahead to the offseason a little bit, talk about the possible quarterback movement that we see this offseason. We'll give you some fun facts. Well, more me. We'll give you some fun facts as that's become my segment over the last couple weeks. And then we'll
0: give you our game predictions for these two conference championships upcoming this weekend. All right, so let's get into those divisional games because there were some upsets. There were some closer games, and it all started with the Packers and the Rams on Saturday. And Aaron Rodgers... Just really did exactly what he needed to do to get that win. The Packers' defense played well. Also, Aaron Donald didn't play much of the game. I don't really know what, what was going on with him, but he wasn't at full strength, so he was off the field for most of the game, and that allowed Aaron Rodgers to do pretty much all he wanted to. And he ended with 296 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Packers to a 32-18 win. As a Packers fan, you're, you're pretty happy to see them move on to that Final Four. What do you think about this game? I thought it was a really interesting game. I was worried about
1: the Rams' defense in general. Jalen Ramsey also scared me, and he was a less game wrecker than he usually would be. Uh, As you saw like against the Seahawks, he can shut down DK Metcalf. He shut down many, many receivers this year. And he slowed down Devontae Adams, but didn't shut him down, uh, which I was happy to see. Some interesting facts. Obviously, I have my fun facts segment later, um, but just some fun facts about this game. So the Rams... Head coach Sean McVay was or is 34. Matt Lafleur is 41. This will be the youngest. That was the yet youngest head coaching postseason matchup since Don Shula and Joe Madden in 1970, which was Shula's first playoff game as the Dolphins' head coach. Uh, He did end up losing to Madden, but that was an interesting throwback to see that
0: this was the youngest head coaching. Matchup in a while. Yeah, and it, I guess now that we think of that, the winner of this game was going to play Tom Brady now, who's older than both of those guys. So that's pretty crazy that the head coach is going to be younger than the opposite team's quarterback going into next round.
1: Yeah, and then you look at um, before this game, most of these stats are from before the game. They came out, when I saw them, they came out after we had recorded on Tuesday. Before the game, Aaron Rodgers in games below 35 degrees. yards per game, passing 98 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 107.7 passer rating. So that is some big numbers, especially in cold weather where quarterbacks tend to struggle a little bit more and end up finding some problems throwing the ball. Aaron Rodgers did not at all. And then here's the other interesting thing that I saw. It wasn't really a quarterback matchup to begin with. One, Jared Goff's thumb was clearly not... Healed. We knew it wasn't, but it was definitely not in great shape. But in Jared Goff's two starts in freezing temperatures, so under 32 degrees, he had a 47% completion percentage, zero touchdowns, five picks, 16 in total QBR.
0: Yeah, we kind of just came into this game knowing that A, Packers are insane in the playoffs when they have those games in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers just, it does not face him whatsoever at this point. The Rams. They're the Cali boys, especially Jerry Goff. He's been in California his whole life. He's not used to that weather, and he doesn't play well well in the cold. And they've been in a dome all year. And with adding um, adding on with Cooper Cup being out, Aaron Donald didn't play really most of the game. There was just no really possible scenario for the Rams to come out with this win in Lambeau. So Packers take care of business as the one seed, and they'll be moving on, and they will be in Lambeau again this coming weekend. And Once again, it'll be a huge advantage uh, to be at home. Yeah, also shout out to Alan Lazard. I shouted him
1: out last week on the podcast saying he was the key to the game. He didn't end up leading the team and receiving four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown, as well as Aaron Jones being able to run the ball effectively, 99 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown as well. I said that that was going to be the key for the game, is to keep the ball away from Jalen Ramsey, have the secondary wide receivers step up, and they definitely did. Um. So, well done to that wide receiving core.
0: They've played very well this year
1: for the little credit that they had coming into the year.
0: Yes, indeed. And we are now going to move on to the Bills and the Ravens, where there was another key injury. It's, it's kind of weird how it just seemed there was a big player that kind of went down in the middle of the game in almost all of these playoff games this weekend. And in this one, it happened to be Lamar Jackson, which it was pretty late in the game and Sounds like he was concussed. I don't know. And honestly if he had stayed in the game they would have had an opportunity to come back and win that game I believe. But the Bills win 17-3. to A key game was the pick six by the Bills cornerback Taryn Johnson. And it's pretty funny to see that uh, he was actually the guy that got drilled in the head at the NFL combine because on the tunnel drill where they catch ball on right side left side right side. And he ended up looking the wrong way on that first one and so it's a pretty good comeback story. Like You kind of felt for the guy in the combine. You didn't know what was going to happen to him. If Coaches were like, oh, if you can't do this drill, he's not going to be on our team. But looks like he found a home in Buffalo. Got the picks 101-yard pick six, and that was honestly the difference. The Ravens had their chances to score. Their backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, missed Marquise Brown on what would have been a huge touchdown, overthrew him. But at the end of the day, this Bills defense is really good. Josh Allen's proving that he can win in the playoffs, and he's got a great combination with Stephon Diggs, who continues to churn out 100-yard receiving days. And I'm excited to see what they'll do against the Chiefs. I'm really high on this Bills team, and they took care of business. Yeah, it was a very good game, very defensive,
1: and we expected that. It was cold temperatures. Lamar Jackson's never played in the cold before. We didn't know what was going to come from that. And then he came out and played decent. But the Bills' defense played very, very well, and so decent was nowhere near good enough in this game. And that's kind of what we learned in the playoffs, is if you're playing a good defense, you have to be at the top of your game, period, in the story. So that, I think, was the key, as well as Josh Allen just continues to be able to throw the ball. I think I did see some key things that I'll bring up when we do matchup predictions for them against the Chiefs at the end of this episode. But there, it was definitely an interesting game. The Bills' running game is a question mark for me. Only 25 yards was their leading rusher uh, on seven carries. So that was a concern for me. But overall, a good game by the Bills. They move on, live to see another day, as the Chiefs lived on to see another day. So it will be a very interesting AFC championship.
0: Yeah, and you're just talking about their lack of running game on the ground. That Ravens defense, that's what they've been really good at the last couple of weeks, so... Yes, 25 yards is not a lot at all, but that Ravens defense definitely cracked down on the run, making Josh Allen throw it, and he did enough to win the game. And then Lamar Jackson got shut down to 34 yards on the ground, which is unusual for him. So you got to give up to the Bills defense, and we'll see if that defense can take them any further in this playoffs. And they will be playing the Chiefs, who beat the Browns 22-17 to on Sunday morning. Mahomes went out with an injury. The Chiefs were up 19-3 to in the first half. Second half comes around, Browns score, Mahomes gets hurt. Chad Henney comes in at quarterback for the Chiefs and actually makes game-winning two plays. They had a third and 14 at the at their own 35-yard line, looking pretty much most people would have expected them just to run the ball because the Browns were out of timeouts, just to run it to their running back and you know punt the ball off with about a minute 20 left. Instead, they do a passing play. I'm like, there's no way they're actually passing the ball right now. Henny's going to throw a pick or throw an incompletion. Then he scrambles, and nobody's there. And Henny runs for 13 yards. And Andy Reid goes, you know what? Let's just uh, go for it at the 48 yard line. And they throw it again instead of running it. And they find Tyree Killen and get the first and clinch the win. I really thought the Browns might come back and win that game. And they had their opportunities, they weren't good enough. And Chad Henny and company get the win in Kansas City.
1: Yeah, so a couple interesting things. First, in the first uh, 20 snaps, the Chiefs had 11 first downs. That's how efficient they were. Half the time, they were gaining the 10 yards that they needed to get a first down. Also, that fourth down in inches, a yard, whatever you want to call it, same exact play that they ran against Miami to ice the game. I believe it was back in week 14. So that was the really interesting thing. Andy Reid pulled the rewind button, and said, Hey, same play, different quarterback, but the exact same play. Anything is possible with Chad Henney. <laughs> anything. Uh, anything. Anything is possible. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes tweeted that out right when it happened. So, really happy for Chad Henney to be able to lead those guys to a win. It did start getting tight, but we said this Browns team was a good football team. We didn't. We didn't think that it was going to be a blowout. Now we thought the Chiefs would win. Had Patrick Mahomes not gone out, I think we would have seen a very different final score. But he did. And then the tide started to shift and the Browns started to come back. And they definitely had their opportunities and didn't capitalize on it. There were a couple interesting calls in this game as far as penalties and no calls and stuff like that. Uh, I've heard a lot of Browns fans saying the Chiefs are the new Patriots, Patriots like the Chiefs are going to get all the official calls now. That's not true. It just, stuff is hard to call in real time, and when you hate a team, you're just going to notice everything. I'm sorry. That's just the reality of it. So that was the interesting thing. In the first half, though, before Patrick Mahomes was hurt, Patrick Mahomes had gained 177 of his 233 passing yards off of crosser and hitch routes. So anything moving across the field, moving those corners, crossing into different zones, that's exactly what the Chiefs played against this good Browns passing defense, which seemingly worked to get his guys open, such as Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and that's exactly what they used was to get in the seams of those zones or get guys tangled up in the man-to-man. So that was the very interesting thing. Also, Travis Kelsey now has over 1,500 receiving yards this season. He joins Rob Gronkowski in 2011 as the only tight end in NFL history
0: to accomplish that feat in a season. And, I mean, he's not done yet. Like He's churning out 100-yard games all over the place, so we could see him possibly getting 1,600, 1,700 yards, which I wonder if a tight end has ever done that. But, yeah, Tyree Kill does his job. Eight catches, 110 yards. Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 110 yards, a touchdown. If you can't stop the, those two guys, you're not going to win. And I fully expect Patrick Mahomes to be back next week. I just don't know if he's going to be at full health. I mean, something obviously was wrong where he could not come back in the game. And as a, as competitive as Mahomes is, you have to expect it, it was something a little more serious than... like It must have been like a, a real deal concussion. So I'm interested to see how he'll play. I... Don't doubt that he'll go out there and throw three touchdowns. Like it, It's just the way he plays, and at home especially with the weapons he has. This Chiefs team was destined to probably make this AFC championship, and I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, a
1: couple other facts for you guys. Patrick Mahomes has joined Steve Young in 1993-1994 as the only players in NFL history to have a passing touchdown and a, and a rushing touchdown in three consecutive playoff games. Uh, so interesting fact for you guys there the other thing i'd like to point out concussion protocol so a couple years ago when this got put into place it was basically to protect the players because teams would be like you're not totally screwed up okay you can go back in and play so what the nfl did is they put team doctors on the sidelines now As I'm sure you guys might have known by going to real life, some doctors are more conservative or more careful than other doctors would be sometimes. And so those team doctors are the ones that get to decide if the player gets to return to play. Now, in press conferences, the Chiefs have never said that Patrick Mahomes was actually diagnosed with a concussion. He doesn't have to be diagnosed with a concussion in order for him to go into concussion protocol and out. The only thing the team doctor has to see is a symptom and declare that he is unfit to go back and play. So when Patrick Mahomes was unable to stand up, which could have been, I mean, he got wrapped around the neck, so could have been something from his neck, as well as his foot injury that he had sustained earlier in the game, those two things could have been enough for the doctor to say, okay, you're probably not going back, and then he did 50-50 on his test in the locker room And the doctor said no. Here's concussion protocol. It's a five step process. Now he can do each step on separate days and return by, if he started on Monday, by Friday, do a walk through Saturday, play Sunday. He has to do one day of light stretching, balance training, eventually progress into light exercise. Uh, Step two, he he can do cardio exercise, uh, dynamic stretching, and then he'll start the neurological and balance tests with the team doctor again in step two. Step three, he can move to limited amounts of football exercise, basically walkthroughs, kind of, um, but only for 30 minutes. And he has to be supervised specifically by an athletic trainer. And then step four, football activities can increase to non contact drills. So any of the passing drills, footwork drills, all that stuff, he could get back into on Thursday, assuming that he follows all this and passes all of it. And then he has to do another set of tests in step four that show his baseline results or better. And then step five, the team doctor has to see him again and clear him to play. But keep in mind, this process only happens if he's diagnosed with concussion after the game. They can hold him from the game, even if he doesn't have a concussion because the doctor can see enough symptoms And if the doctor is being extra careful, he'll be out. So for those of you saying, hey, NFL, don't rush Patrick Mahomes. You made teams play without a quarterback this year. It's protocols. It's not necessarily the NFL being unfair and trying to rush somebody back. It's the health of the player was being looked out for, not
0: necessarily the actual injury. And it's pretty crazy to see that we saw Lamar Jackson and Mahomes supposedly both go down with the concussion. But yeah, you are right. Like, they never really did come out and say exactly that it was a concussion. Um, I think the announcers kind of thought that it was. and they But expect Mahomes to be back. It's just going to be about how well he does this week, uh, preparing himself for this AFC Championship. But I just cannot imagine that AFC Championship without Mahomes in it, full health or not. So we uh, we'll talk about the Bills and the Chiefs here in a bit, but let's get into that last divisional game, the Buccaneers and the Saints. And, you know, that Buccaneers defense played really well by getting Drew Brees to throw three interceptions. He only had 134 yards, one touchdown, and three picks with a 38.1 QBR. He just did not look right all game. That young secondary that we've honestly been bashing all year because they have a good linebacking core, they have a good D line. Those corners and safeties have been kind of their weak spot and giving up games, and now they're playing with some confidence and some swagger. Making some plays, and hey, this Buccaneers team's—they're legit. They—they win this game thirty to twenty. Tom Brady, I would say, didn't do much. Honestly, I think he got a lot of great situations off of turnovers uh, with the ball in the red zone multiple times that Tom Brady's gonna take care of in that instance. So, what do you see from this game? Buccaneers move on again. First off, I'm gonna disagree
1: with you on the Buccaneers corners and safeties okay. for this reason: every pick that you saw them get was either a jumped route or a bad miss throw or a tipped ball. Those were the three situations. It was never good coverage picks. Second off, the trick play with Jameis Winston literally had the corners and safeties flying at the line of scrimmage. Now, yes, most teams would, but that's what we've talked about all year is these corners biting on the run. Well, they bit on the run and then got beat deep with Jameis Winston throwing the ball down the field. So they are playing better. But I don't want to give them too much credit yet because they haven't played up to a level that they're going to have to play this weekend. They have to not jump routes and be extremely disciplined against Aaron Rodgers because if you're not, you'll get beat. And Aaron Rodgers did that this weekend. He'll do it next weekend. But the Buccaneers defense did play very, very well. I will give them that. So a key for this game, for me, Drew Brees threw multiple interceptions from a clean pocket in two of his last four games prior to week 16, which was when the last time he did it. The last time he threw multiple interceptions from a clean pocket in multiple games in a season was back in 2017 in the divisional round in the loss to the Vikings. So that was a big key for me. I've always said, you have to take care of the ball to win football games. If you're going to have four turnovers, you're not going to be able to win the football game. And so that, I think, was the key for me. Not necessarily great plays by the Bucs. It was just poor throws or jumped routes that Breeze was kind of giving away a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I just think it's crazy how well the Saints play during this regu- every regular season. I mean, especially this past four or five years and they cannot finish in the playoffs whatsoever. They are usually losing it at home to a team that's not ranked as high and a team that they are expected to beat. And in this case they had beaten this team twice pretty handedly in both of them. So, yes, and we talked about hey, it's Tom Brady, like it's hard to beat him 3 times and as we see here, it's near impossible to beat him. Like he's never been beaten 3 times in a year. So, by the same team. So, it stinks to see Breeze Possibly end his career with this game. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in their quarterback situation in the future. I just don't know if the Saints are ever going to be good enough to make that jump in the playoffs because you're losing a legend in Drew Brees. It's not going to get easier or better with another quarterback, in my opinion. As good as that defense is, I really think this was the team that they set up. This is like, this is Brees' last year. We're going to put all these pieces together and we're going to go win the Super Bowl. And Once again, they fall short, not even making it to the NFC Championship, which they haven't been making it to the NFC Championship. This divisional round has been their kryptonite, and uh, it's tough as a Saints fan, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, also, shout-out to Michael Thomas. This dude's been injured all year. He's had injury problems for a couple years now. He came back for the last couple games because he knew it was likely Drew Brees' last year. Knows, knew, all the above, Um, and didn't want to miss out trying to be on a Super Bowl with him. These are the surgeries he's going to have to have this off season. He has a torn deltoid, which he's going to have to get repaired. He has multiple injured ligaments in his high ankle, which are going to have to have surgery. And obviously all that's going to require physical therapy, but it's at least two, probably three, maybe four surgeries that he's going to have to go through. And he didn't practice at all pretty much any week for the entire season, but came back to play in the games because he knew he needed to to give Drew Brees the best shot. So shout out to him. But yeah, it's really sad to watch Drew Brees have to walk away and never be able to pull something off in the playoffs and the Saints just can't finish. And I don't know if that's a Sean Payton thing. I don't know if it's a mindset thing with all the players, but really sad for Drew Brees to go out in the divisional games Like he has, like he did back in 2017 against the Vikings.
0: Yeah, and they did win a Super Bowl in 2010, but this is kind of just the more recent years that, in my opinion, they've had one of the best teams in football the last three or four years. So, divisional round, haven't been able to get past it, but it did did kind of just seem like it was possibly Drew Brees' last NFL game, and he was seen crying kind of off the field. Also, Seemed like he may have told Jameis Winston, this is your team now. Stayed out on the field a long while after the game with Tom Brady and kind of talked to him and it looked like, you know, seemed like he might may be done in the NFL, which is really sad to see as I've grown up with Drew Brees my whole career. He's been the guy my whole life. So if it is his last game, man, what a career. It's been a lot of fun to watch him. It's an inspiration. Like He's he's what six foot and he just chucks the ball. He's the most yards in NFL history. So, I mean, let's look over his career stats. 80,358 passing yards in his career, 571 touchdowns and 243 picks with a 98.7 QBR. He's a no doubt, uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer uh, as soon as he possibly can be. And I do think it's probably about time he heads out. I think he as we saw in this game, he's starting to lose it a little bit. So, as much as it as you hate to see him and his career in the Superdome where he made all the memories, it's probably about time for Drew Brees to be done.
1: Yeah, he's 41, I believe. He holds NFL records for career passing yards, touchdown passes, and completions, all of which used to be Peyton Manning's records, now Drew Brees' records. Tom Brady ranks second in all of those categories. May or may not catch him, depending on how much longer Brady plays, but heck of a career from Drew Brees. Like Braden said, Growing up watching him my entire life, he's always been a great quarterback. When he won the Super Bowl in 2010 to 2015, 16, 17, um, and even to now where he's been the leader of some really great football teams and a really great example in everyday life, not just on the football field, and helping out kids throughout his city and across the nation and just being a great guy. So shout-out to Drew Brees on a great career. He claims, he says to the media that he's going to take time just like he did last year to reconsider, figure out what he wants to do with the future. We'll see. I think it may be time for him to head out. As unfortunate as it is, I think his body has officially reached its peak and said it's time. He came back from a horrific injury this year. I don't think he wants to have to do that again next year but heck of a career from Drew Brees.
0: Yep, yeah, and I do think Tom Brady actually passed him in passing touchdowns, which is just insane. It's just the stuff Brady's doing, obviously, and we can talk about that at another time. But there's some other quarterbacks that were actually in his draft class, I believe, Phillip Rivers and Big Ben. If not, maybe the year, a year later than him. But those are two more veteran QBs that possibly could have played in their last playoff games last week in the wild card round. And possibly their last games ever. Do you see Big Ben being heading out the door? We obviously saw him crying with his center Marquise Pouncey, maybe signaling their last time snapping and catching that ball together. Philip Rivers, he was on a one-year contract with the Colts. Obviously, I could see them re-signing him, but I just don't know if he's going to come back. If he's the guy of the future for the Colts, so what are you what are you seeing with those two? Do you think they're they may be heading out the door as well? As for Big Ben,
1: I'm not sure. He's kind of a wild card to me. He always has been. I don't know that he could step away right now. I think he might have another year in him if he wants it. Obviously, it's a personal decision for him. Does he want to have to deal with the schedule and the physical yeah toll on his body? I think that's more of a personal decision for him rather than a football decision. He has the roster if he wants to go try again. We'll see. It's a personal decision for him. As for Phillip Rivers... I think he's done. I don't think the Colts will re-sign him. I don't think they'll give him that option, and I don't know that he's willing to move his family, his gigantic family. (laughs) Again, I think he's going to have to call it quits. He had said pretty explicitly to a couple different sources that ESPN was reporting that he was done after the playoffs, and I think that's probably a smart decision for him because from now on he'll just have one-year contracts I think it's probably just safer for him to go move his family to wherever they want to live for the next good chunk of years and be done with football and, hey, maybe go coach one of his kids' football teams or go coach the local high school or something like that. But I think he is probably done uh, with his NFL career. He's had a great one, too, with the Chargers, and obviously he had a great run with the Colts this year. Uh, Great quarterback. Fun guy, did talk trash a lot, so those of you that are Bronco fans or Chiefs fans or Raider fans, you didn't like him a whole lot uh, because he just constantly talks trash, but he was just an ultra-competitive guy. So, Phillip Rivers, another guy that we grew up watching, probably done for the year. Big Ben, I think he could have another year, but that'll be a personal decision that he'll have to make in the off season.
0: Interesting. I When I look at these two, I think they're probably both done, which is sad to see, but if I did have to pick one to stay, I would actually say it's Phillip Rivers. I, When I looked at those two playing this year, I would say Rivers was the better of the two. And, I mean, as ugly as Rivers' throwing arm is when he throws that football, it's he still got more done. And in the playoff game when they lost to the Bills, he almost brought him back. So I think just with the injuries, Big Ben is consistently getting. Just the way he looks when he throws a ball, I just – I think he may be done, and honestly, as I said, I think they're both going to be done, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do this offseason. I'm I'm guessing they're going to make a big push for Deshaun Watson. That could be very interesting. There's a lot of teams that I could see going for Deshaun Watson, but uh, the Steelers could be a good fit for him and something that he would like to do because they, as you said, have a good roster. But so do the Colts. So there's going to be some really good rosters out there that are losing veteran quarterbacks and it's going to be about who can hit the jackpot this offseason when it comes to that QB carousel. So let's uh, get into that Deshaun Watson conversation because I would argue there's about 10 to 15 teams that could honestly, legitimately go out and get Deshaun Watson. And yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of draft picks. It's going to take a lot of maybe the quarterback on their own roster, and it's going to take some money because Deshaun Watson is going to be owed about $35 million a year. But I think we could both agree that he is a top three, top five quarterback right now, and he just hasn't had the roster around him to do it. But as we just said, there's a lot of really good teams uh, with some depth that could potentially give him that team that he needs to make a run in the playoffs. So right now, if you were to give me your top spot for Deshaun Watson, where would you go? That's a really tough one. Just based off of logistics,
1: I'm going to say Miami, and here's why. Tua has not proven himself, so the Dolphins don't know what they're losing yet. The Dolphins also have, I believe it's three first-round picks this year, Mm -hmm. and then I think it's two next year. I'm not 100% sure on that one, two or three. So they have the draft picks and the player to do it if they want it. That would be my most logical prediction for him. Now, where do I think he would fit best? I think he could go and fit in with Pittsburgh team if Big Ben decides to head out Indianapolis I think he could head to, as well as one that's maybe a little bit more underrated. I don't know that they would have the finances or the picks to do it, but the New York Jets I think he could fit in with. With a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, kind of get to pick what he wants to do, run the offense the way he wants to, and really honestly pick the players that he wants to go get and try and recruit some guys and play the way he wants to play. Those would be kind of my top three desires for him to go but logistically i think miami would probably
0: be the best bet of the teams looking i mean just talking about this it just gets me excited because there are so many different things that could happen and if you were to go to one of those teams that have a top draft pick then are they going to trade out of the pick i mean this draft and this offseason is offseason is going to be very exciting i think there could possibly be three to four quarterbacks going in the top 10 picks there's going to be some receivers that go in that top 10 it's just going to be a lot of fun to see how everything unfolds. I was personally also going to go with Miami. I think that's the best fit. I'm rooting for him to make that trade, and I think it would be for Tua and probably the number three pick and probably another first-round pick, whether it be another one this year or their top pick in 2022. And I think that's worth it for the Dolphins. I think they have a really good defense, and right now they're just kind of missing that quarterback. As much as we like Tua and we'd like to see him improve and get his opportunities if they have a shot to get Deshaun Watson right now why not but since you already said Miami let me throw out a couple more teams because there are so many other possibilities the Carolina Panthers that's a possibility Bridgewater wasn't really living up to it we could possibly have Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey that could be a lot of fun the Washington football team I don't think Heineke is going to be the guy but Deshaun Watson sure could be and they have a really good defense as we know and Maybe they're just missing that quarterback right now. So those are another, a couple other spots. I've also heard the San Francisco 49ers. Garoppolo may not be the guy. I've also heard the LA Rams. I've heard McVeigh and Jared Goff might not be loving each other right now, and that could be a, kind of a crazy trade, swapping Goff and Watson and maybe a first-round pick. As an NFC guy, NFC West guy, I do not want to see Deshaun Watson join the Rams or the Niners. We already have to deal with Kyler Murray. We already have to deal, deal with Aaron Donald and Nick Bosa, so they don't need a great quarterback either. So let's stay out of the NFC West. Stay out of the NFC in general. You can just stay in the AFC. But I'm excited. There's so many different possibilities, and we'll have to see what kind of rumors are um, coming about.
1: Yeah, moving ahead, we'll kind of go into a little bit of a quarterback carousel.
0: Give me your top three most probable quarterbacks that are headed out after this year. All right, so the first one, I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. And. It's not because he's horrible. He's had a great career, but I think the Lions want to move forward and find maybe rebuild again, as they have been for a while, it seems like, and get a younger quarterback, and I think that is going to come through the draft. I think they're going to pick somebody here in the top ten, whether that be Trey Lance, maybe Mac Jones, maybe Zach Wilson drops that far. And then the next one I'm going to go with is Matt Ryan. I just think the Falcons are also going to draft a top ten pick. Uh, top 10 quarterback this year. I think they have the fourth pick in the draft. I mean, potentially Justin Fields could be sitting there at number four. And I would not pass on him if I were the Falcons. Matt Ryan is throwing for a lot of yards, but he's not getting wins. And he's throwing a lot of picks and he can't finish in the red zone. It'll be interesting to see if Matt Ryan gets another opportunity, but I do think he's heading out of that, heading out of Atlanta. And then, whew, my last one. There's a couple different spots I could go here. But I'm actually going to say Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. I think they're going to make a change. And honestly, it could be like a Stafford going to San Francisco or a Matt Ryan going to San Francisco. Maybe just trying to switch it up. But I just don't think Garoppolo is the real deal. And uh, I think they could possibly change up in San Fran. For my three,
1: first I'm going to go probably Matt Ryan. I think he's going to kind of turn into a Philip Rivers type guy now, just like Philip Rivers did this year, I think. He might go and sign a one-year contract with a team that thinks they might have a shot. So, Pittsburgh Steelers are a possibility there. Carolina, probably not, but a possibility. 49ers, a possibility. I think he could be a Phillip Rivers-type guy where a team is like, we need a veteran quarterback to come in, lead. He just has to be average because we have a good roster. So, I think that could be a possibility. Number two, I'm going to say Matthew Stafford, and the only reason he's not number one is because he's a really loyal guy. He's really loyal to Detroit. So I think there's a possibility that he does stay, but for his sake, I hope he gets out. Yeah, I've watched him be an amazing quarterback in the NFC North for so many years and just never have a roster to compete with. He's never had anybody. He's played with the Packers all the time and never has the defense to stop Aaron Rodgers and never has the defense to stop good teams for him to have a chance to win games. So I hope for his sake that he moves on. And then for number three, you know, that's where it gets tight is the number three. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's on is on his way out. I think Teddy Bridgewater could be another possibility of a team trying to create cap space, trying to get a younger guy in there. Matt Rule, he thought Teddy Bridgewater was a great quarterback, and now he's starting to second-guess maybe. I think there's a possibility of him possibly either going down on the depth chart or getting moved somewhere else uh, to gain a little bit more cap space for the Panthers as Teddy Bridgewater's on a decently-sized contract. It could create a little bit more room, sign two more veterans on uh, for the price of Teddy Bridgewater. That is an interesting thing about Jared Goff, though. We'll see if that's just a off-season, uh, end of season frustration piece, or if it's a Carson Wentz type area where maybe Jared Goff is starting to go down a little bit because his offensive line isn't as good as the first couple years he was in the NFL, and his system isn't the same as it was when he went and played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that's the issue, or if it's more just a end of season frustration between him and McVeigh,
0: but that will definitely be something that we'll have to keep our eyes on. Yeah, and I think it's funny how we've seen in the past when Tom Brady was in the AFC East, Brady was just the guy. He was on the Patriots, he's on the Patriots, on the Patriots, and then the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills were just different quarterback, different quarterback, different quarterback, and now that we talk about this quarterback carousel, he's looking like the only solid quarterback in the NFC South now. And yes, he's probably going to retire here in two or three years, but... I mean, hey, he might just play until 50. Like, who are we kidding? Like, the guy just doesn't seem to age. But we look at the Saints, we think Breeze is out. We look at Bridgewater, and there's a possibility he he could be traded or they could draft somebody. And we think Matt Ryan's heading out. So it's kind of crazy how that Tom Brady effect is going into place. And, yes, it kind of helps that these NFC South quarterbacks are getting older and they're retiring, and so it is a little different situation. But Tom Brady effect, man, they're – He's once again just going to go down and own another division until he retires because I do think the Saints may drop back a little bit without Drew Brees. But it's going to be so fun to see because, I mean, after talking about all those different possibilities of quarterbacks and moving on, maybe half the league has a solid quarterback right now. Like, there's only so many teams you're like, yeah, he's their guy. He's going to be their guy for the next five, ten years. The other half of the league is who the heck knows who's going to be our quarterback next year. And for some teams, they're probably hoping – you know we're gonna go draft a top guy here in this top 10 some guys are like let's go get Deshaun Watson let's go get a Matt Ryan and let's go make a playoff run so I'm excited to see what happens for sure and then now we'll move into a little bit of the coaching carousel
1: for you guys a bunch of teams have announced that they've hired head coaches Jacksonville Jaguars hire old Ohio State and Florida head coach Urban Meyer he has compiled a coaching staff of a mix of his old college coaches and former NFL head coaches as coordinators. That will be his staff. The Jets hired Robert Sala. I've heard it pronounced a lot of different ways on TV, so who really knows? Yeah. Atlanta Falcons hire Arthur Smith, Titans offensive coordinator, if you don't know who Arthur Smith was. He was announced on January 16th that he was going to be the head coach. And then finally, the LA Chargers hire Brandon Staley, Rams defensive coordinator. He was pretty much announced that they hired him right after the Rams lost. The Chargers were wasting zero time, knew exactly what they wanted. And as soon as the Rams were done, they said, come on over to this side of L.A. Uh, yeah, we're ready for you. So guys that are still on the lookout for head coaches, Houston Texans are on the lookout still. Eric Bieniemy was interviewed. Joe Brady was interviewed. Jim Caldwell also was interviewed, former Lions and Colts head coach. Matt Eberflus, Leslie Frazier, they've had a lot of different guys come in and out and be interviewed for this job, but clearly they're working on the Deshaun Watson drama as well.
0: It kind of seems like that Texans job, which I've also seen reports of. Nobody really, it's like the least desirable coaching position right now. And with Deshaun Watson wanting out, J.J. Watt's probably going to find a way to get out of Houston locker room problems not just not a great future ahead as Bill O'Brien gave away their better players and didn't get much back for them so it's not like they have a lot of draft picks necessarily coming in they lost their number three draft pick actually so they don't even have that this year so it is the least desirable pick for head coaches this year but I wouldn't be surprised to see Eric Bieniemy try to do something and I think the only shot that Watson stays which it doesn't look like there even really is a shot at this point, is if bien were to be signed, just because he's such an offensive mind from the Chiefs. Eric bien being the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, if anybody did not know. Also, we have the Lions. It looks like they're very close to hiring the tight ends coach for the Saints, Dan Campbell. Now that the Saints are out, they can make that hire if and whenever they choose, and it seems like that's going to happen. So we will have to see what happens in Detroit. Alright, so let's get into our next segment, where Bryce hits us with some fun facts that we just never would have expected to hear. I'm, I'm loving this segment, because it's just stuff that I, I had never heard before, usually.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is my favorite segment of the day. This is what I enjoy. I look throughout the week, trying to find fun facts to tell you guys. Uh, so I'll hit you guys up with a couple fun ones, as well as I've had some spread out with my game predictions and, and ne- analyzing games Uh, from this past weekend, so we'll jump right into it. First, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I know. That's what I'm starting out with. Reigning MVP. Aaron Rodgers was the most efficient quarterback on difficult passes this season. So this is my next-gen stats. They predict the completion probability of every pass thrown. So a difficult pass is the requirement is under a 50% completion probability. Rodgers led the league in yards per attempt, and expected pass attempts and yards per drop back on difficult passes during the regular season led in all of those categories. That is an interesting fact of the day. Moving on, the 2020 Cleveland Browns. First winning season since 2007. Snapped longest drought in the NFL. First playoff berth since 2002. Snapped longest drought in the NFL. First playoff win since 1994. 11 regular season and 12 total wins mark most since 1994. Two claps for the Cleveland Browns. Moving on, here's a really funny one for you. In high school, Devonte Adams was the number two receiver behind only Jock Peterson, the outfielder <laughs> for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Peterson's senior year and Adams' junior year, Jock was the go-to guy. Peterson had 30 receptions that year for 650 yards and nine touchdowns. Adams had 25 receptions, 484 yards, and 7 touchdowns. Never knew that those two guys had crossed paths before, but found that out this week. And then the last fun fact of the day, next Sunday, Tom Brady will start his 14th conference championship game. Brady has more conference championship wins, which is 9, than any other quarterback in NFL history has starts in a conference championship game. Brady has 14 starts and 9 wins, Joe Montana has seven starts. John Elway has six. Terry Bradshaw has six. And Roger Staubach has six. Sheesh. Tom Brady has more, two more wins than any other quarterback in NFL history has starts. That shows just how long and just how well Tom Brady has played in the NFL playoffs for such a
0: long time. Those are the fun facts for you this week. I hope you guys enjoyed them. And I'll actually throw one more on there. This is kind of coming from my head. I think I saw this earlier in the week. I believe Tom Brady has now beaten... Sixteen or maybe now seventeen different teams in the playoffs. Which, when I thought about it, I was like, "Wait, he was in the AFC all these years. That doesn't even make mathematical sense." But he's won six Super Bowls, so he's beaten six NFC teams in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he's almost beaten the whole entire stinking league in the playoffs. Doesn't matter who you throw up against him, and we'll see if the Packers are next. I'm, I'm sure you would like to, you know, end that whole thing. But let's get into the game predictions. Two games left, NFC Championship at 1 o'clock on Sunday, our time, and the Bills and the Chiefs at 440 in the AFC Championship. We'll start off with that Bucks-Packers game. What do you expect to happen, and uh, who's your winner?
1: I think it's going to be close. I do have a couple keys for the games for you guys, so bear with me as I go on a little bit of a rant here. So we saw success with the Saints defense shutting down Mike Evans for the first time maybe ever in the red zone. And throughout an entire game, here's the interesting part. So since 2016, no player has been targeted more times in the end zone than Mike Evans. Lattimore had him shadowed on 80% of his roots in the red zone. Over the entire game, Mike Evans had one reception for a three-yard touchdown. That is it. Evans was only averaging 0.4 yards of separation between him and Marshawn Lattimore. So the key to the game is get Jair Alexander, the Packers' best corner, one-on-one in press coverage against Mike Evans. If you can do that and then play zone or play a man-to-man with a help behind in that defense to shut down Antonio Brown's deep threat, I think that will be very effective for stopping the Bucks' offensive game, as well as this is the first time that a lot of these guys on the Bucks have played in cold weather. Now, Yes, Tom Brady has played in cold weather his entire career. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the guys like Evans. Brown played in a little bit of cold weather. But like Leonard Fournette, those guys have never really played in cold weather before. And Rodgers even said this week, I hope it's colder next week. He's hoping for it to be cold. It's forecasted to be, I believe, in the 20s and snowing at game time. Yeah. So we'll see if that actually comes... Last week they said the same thing and it ended up being like 35, which is balmy at this time in Green Bay, and a light snow for a tiny bit, but that was really it. So the keys for the game is stop Tom Brady from throwing the football down the field because that's where he's had success the last three weeks. And press coverage, Jair Alexander versus Mike Evans. I mean, obviously the Packers need to keep running the ball efficiently and passing the guy the ball to the guys that are secondary to Devonte Adams because we all know the focus will be on Devonte Adams.
0: Yeah. Before we get your prediction, I'm also I'll also add that the Packers are favored at three and a half right now, which is pretty in close as they have the home game. But I think this key is going to be if the, as you said, if the Buccaneers can just play a little play well in this Lambeau environment. Packers let some fans in so that they've got the they've got the cheeseheads out. I think the Packers are in a very good spot because they're used to this weather. They'll probably be like bring on the snow. Aaron Rodgers would love to see some snow, I'm assuming. And uh, I mean, he's playing, he's the MVP this year. He's got the best receiver in football right now. It's gonna be very hard for the Buccaneers secondary as good as they looked last week to stop Devontae Adams. But we can't forget that it's Tom Brady. And if anybody's gonna do it, it's gonna be Tom Brady. So it's gonna be an exciting game. I'm gonna pick the Packers by a touchdown. I think Rodgers is going to have a huge day, and I think Devontae Adams is going to be the recipient of that huge day. And while I do think Jerry Alexander will have a little bit of success, I do think Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and company will have a good day. I just don't think it's going to be enough to stay with that Packers offense in the snow. As much as I've been doubting Brady this year, I'm going to do it one more time. I just In the snow, I think he may have a hard time. I'm going to go with the Packers by a touchdown. I'm going to take the Packers as well, obviously, because they're my team.
1: I'm going to take them by a field goal, and here's why. I am concerned about Tom Brady being able to throw the football down the field. However, I have so much confidence in our play action that I think the Buccaneers are going to get burned down the field all day long. I think both teams score 21+. plus. I think this ends up being a shootout at some point. In the snow. In the
0: snow. In the snow.
1: In the snow. It will be very interesting. But yeah, I think the Packers are headed to their first Super Bowl since 2010 when we won. Last year we went to the NFC Championship and got blown out, but I think this is the year that if something's going to happen, Aaron Rodgers is going to make it happen this year, even with the lack of wide receiver threats that we thought he had. Uh, obviously, Alan Lazard's coming out and playing very, very well. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take my Packers.
0: All right, well, let's get into the AFC Championship, where it should be another cold one. At Arrowhead Stadium, Patrick Mahomes. He is the question that's going to affect a lot of picks in this game. But assuming he plays and is somewhat healthy, what are you kind of looking at in this matchup and who do you think is going to win? So my keys for the game is,
1: will Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be back yeah. for the game? Because he has been, honestly, the key for their running game, apparently. I thought that Le'Veon Bell could carry it a little bit, and their, what I thought was a deep running back core could help out, but they cannot do anything. I mean, that's how Patrick Mahomes got hurt was running because they can't run the ball. So that will be my one of my keys is will Clyde Edwards-Solaire be back and in what condition? Will Sammy Watkins be back and in what condition? And will Patrick Mahomes be back and in what condition? Because if they can have all those guys back and they can play a tough run defense with an over-the-top pass coverage, I think they win this game by a touchdown. However, if some of those guys are not back and they cannot play good run defense, I think this suddenly becomes a Buffalo Bills game. Bills win by a touchdown, maybe even 10 points because it's that much of a powerhouse. It's two big powerhouses, and if one little thing is off, it's going to swing the other way. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take them by a touchdown. However... Those are the keys is, will those three guys be back and healthy, and can the Chiefs play run defense with an over-the-top pass coverage this week?
0: Yeah, as you kind of thought in the other game, I believe this game will be within a field goal. I think these two teams, honestly, are the two best teams in football. And I know you might not like that one, but I think these are the two best teams in football, um, just top to bottom. I really like that Bills defense, man. They've been playing really well. And if anybody's going to stop Mahomes out of these last four teams – I think it's going to be the Bills. So for the NFL's sake, if they don't want to see the Chiefs win another Super Bowl, I think they need the Bills to win this game because I don't know if the Packers or the Buccaneers defense can stop Mahomes. So with that being said, I actually do think the Bills are going to win this game. Even if Clyde Edwards-Ceele back, even if Mahomes is at full strength, I think the Bills are going to find a way to win this game. I think they might get a turnover or two from Mahomes. And I think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are going to continue uh, what they've been doing, and I I think the Bills could honestly go out here and win a Super Bowl. So I think the Bills are going to win this one. I've been kind of sticking with them the last couple weeks. They've been doing their job, and I think these are going to be two great games. So I guess my prediction is Bills and Packers in the Super Bowl, and it looks like you're going the Packers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So super excited to see what happens this weekend. Um, we'll see if there's any coaching changes coaching hirings we'll see if there's any kind of quarterback shakeup any retirements announced and we'll definitely talk about them next week but we really appreciate you guys listening uh have a great week thank you guys so much for tuning
1: in as always if you guys like today's episode please tell a friend follow us at the gridiron podcast on instagram we also have our merch line out use codes bryce p or brayden for 10 percent off your purchase The link is in our bio and Instagram as well as the link to all our podcasts if you need that to send to a friend. Thank you guys for all your support and listening so much. Have a great weekend and happy football.